This morning's uh, scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke. Luke 17, starting at verse 11 to verse 19. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. If you like, you can follow along in your pew Bible, uh, which, uh, where you can find it on page, the passage on page 1627. Jesus cleanses 10 lepers. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And so they went, they, and as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Peter. Well, it's not only our university students who are uh, home for the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, there are many homes uh, that have welcomed back their daughters and their sons. And uh, their sons and daughters, more often than not, are really glad to be back home because their eating habits are probably not as healthy as what they're going to get this weekend. Turkey, along with perhaps some ham or applesauce and cranberry sauce, or, or potatoes and, and pumpkin pie, uh, green beans and, and Brussels sprouts and... Uh, all right, hold the Brussels sprouts. What a beautiful thing it is to come home uh, in a celebration around food, around uh, family. And uh, you who have come to worship this morning have come for more. You've come to give thanks, not only for the food, not only to our Creator God, but this morning you've come to, to also give thanks to Jesus. Using the, the story that Luke tells, and Luke did not forget, this, this story impacted him in chapter 17. A story that, that reached back to Pastor Fred's story from Nahum last week, who was a foreigner and who had leprosy and who followed the simple instructions of the prophet of Israel and found himself cleansed in the Jordan River. Luke remembers that story and, and gives this story, and he begins with these words, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And Luke is not just giving a, a geographical profile of where Jesus is at. 
It's much more because it includes it, this telling of where he's at is part of what you need to hear in that telling is the continuation of his mission. Jesus is on a mission. Luke reveals that in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 verse 51. Here's where he hints at it already in Luke chapter 9 verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, and this is after his transfiguration, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Earlier in the chapter, earlier in his writings, Luke is saying, this is the course in which Jesus is taken. And then he picks it up again in Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, verse 22, he says this, then Jesus went through the towns and the villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And now we come to chapter 17 and we read this about Jesus. Chapter 17 verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem be reminded of his mission. What is his mission? And we as followers of Jesus, who are here to give him thanks, are reminded of our own mission. What is our mission? What is our purpose here on earth? Does our purpose image the mission of Jesus? And I would, I would make the argument, yes, indeed it does. That we are part of his mission. Even in his teachings, even in his teachings. Look at the verse before verse 11. So we're reading verse 11 of chapter 17 in Luke, now on his way to Jerusalem, but the verse before says this. Jesus is teaching his disciples, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. In too many circles, we, we hear, and, and, and we hear it at retirements, and, and we, we long to hear those words ourselves, well done and good and faithful servant. That too is a verse out of scripture. But then how come we don't often hear this response? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. This is who we are. This is what we've been called to do, and this is who we've been called to be. Our mission is not that much unlike Christ Jesus, where we die to ourselves, where we take up our cross and where we follow him. The same happens after his telling the story of the ten lepers. He talks about the coming of the kingdom and how it's not going to be very pretty. How there are going to be difficult times ahead. How there are going to be choices that need to be made. Decisions need to be taken. And how those who are following me will find their way. And so when we read those opening words of the story of the ten lepers, we're reminded that we too are on a mission. That we too are part of Christ's mission. They stood at a distance and called out to him in a loud voice. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. 
They called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. The lepers must have caught wind of his coming. They certainly knew of his hearing. They certainly knew of who he was. They heard that he had healed a man who was crippled. That he had given sight back to a person who was blind. That he had helped the dumb speak. That he had cleared fevers. That he had cast out demons. And even, even that he had raised someone from the dead. Now, if Jesus can do that, imagine what he could do for someone who had leprosy. Imagine how that went around those who came together, those who would come together for, uh, for survival because they couldn't meet with anybody else. Jesus is the one who heals. How unlike would that be in our day today when last year the Ebola crisis was so strong? How many who have had that happen to them would not cry out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us? Or when the AIDS epidemic was at its height, we understand why they stand at a distance and make that cry. But those of us who, who have some self-awareness about our own brokenness, about our own struggles, about our own frustrations, Know that cry to be true from our own hearts. If the lepers were crying it from a distance, then our hearts may well have cried that at times in our own walk, where we too have struggled, where we too have failed, where we too find ourselves broken. Lord Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I know this about sisters and brothers in Christ, that, that they too can take on the sorrow and the grief and the pain of our own community that's struggling, of our own culture that's ignoring the pleas from outside, where we have deaf ears to what may be taking place around us as we carry on in our own way, that even in a righteous way we cry out, Lord Jesus, have pity on us. And amazingly, Jesus does. Even in our self-centered state, he hears our prayers. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They listened to Jesus by responding obediently. And suddenly Jesus isn't the only one on his way to Jerusalem. Suddenly these, these ten lepers are on their way, and as they're on their way, they notice, hey, hey, your face is clear. Look at your hands. And they notice that they, they have been healed on their going to Jerusalem. Now, it made me wonder. It made me wonder how the priests handled this sudden influx of healings. Here came ten, maybe nine people. Suddenly they come running with tremendous excitement in their voices saying, look at us, we've been healed. Or they had to make an appointment with the priest saying, meet us at the outside gate because we have been healed and we need to tell you what happened. His name was Jesus. So this priest who had to meet them outside the gate had to go back inside the gate, tell the other priest and say, guess what happened? There were ten lepers outside. There were nine lepers who came and they said that 
they were healed and looked to me that they were pretty normal. Did that news create further tension and mistrust, or did it create excitement and anticipation knowing that Jesus was still to come? And what did they do after they visited the priests? How were they received in their homes, in their towns, in their villages? Were they received with open arms and joy and excitement and enthusiasm? Or was there further mistrust? Are they really healed? I don't want them near my family. Don't let them in our house. Because their lives have moved on. But that's not how Luke remembers the story. That's not how Luke tells the story. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, it could very well be that Samaritans knew they were not allowed to go to Jerusalem. It could very well be that they knew they couldn't enter the temple courts. It could very well be that they would be shunned by the priests, knowing and accepting and welcoming the other nine, but that tenth, who is he? It could very well be that the Samaritan was not bound by the same laws that the other nine were. Luke doesn't get into that, but what Luke does mention is that this Samaritan is the only one who returned back to Jesus and his response was one of overwhelming praise to God, falling on his knees and giving thanks to Jesus for healing. There's a huge paradigm shift that Luke has been so well aware of that's happening. He's written this material years after Jesus ascended up into heaven, years after the Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell on his people. And he remembers what happens here. And in this stage, he remembers that nine went and they were healed. They went to the priest and they went to the temple. And then one, one returned to Jesus. Who would have known, who would have known that Samaritans would be included among the Jews in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who would know that that was to come? And what about this Pharisee who was healed? Would he be numbered among those in Samaria who heard of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that Peter and Philip brought to that community? Would he be the one standing in their community saying, it is true, he healed me of leprosy and I testify to him being Lord and Master? Who would have known how could they have known that 40 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, the entire city of Jerusalem would be so incredibly demolished and the temple destroyed that there was no place to go back to but Jesus Christ as Master and Lord. And so Luke tells this story here at Luke chapter 17, a huge monumental paradigm shift towards healing and wholeness that changes the lives of so many who place their faith in him. 
This past week, we watched different clips on the election campaign and what was happening with each speaker, and the two opposition parties spoke out against our Prime Minister for having a photo op with a Syrian family inside a church, as the Syrian family had a sign which they made saying, Thank you, Canada. And they were so glad to be here. And the opposition said, How dare you use that as your political gain? and saying how well and how good you are. And it got so loud and caught up in the political opposition that we lost sight and hearing of the voice of the, Sumerian, of the Syrian family. The Syrian family who has come out of years of conflict, who have been looking to survive, looking to play, have a safe place for their children, and, and I'm wondering how many Canadian families heard the voice of these Syrian families. Is it ever good to be in this country? A place where there is no war. A place where there is education, where there is medicine, where there is hope for our kids. And on this Thanksgiving Day, on this Thanksgiving Day, this, this Thanksgiving weekend in Canada, how grateful, how grateful are our citizens for living in the nation that we do. And then add to that those of you who have experienced the cleansing grace of Jesus Christ. The lucky ones. The fortunate ones. In our language, the chosen ones, the blessed ones. Because the heart of this story is about Jesus. Having cleansed all ten. Sometimes we have it when we go to church, where we witness somebody and we see someone who has just tasted the grace of Jesus Christ for the very first time, and they are so amazed. They are so excited. They want to share with others just how, how, how incredible God's love really is, and, and that He has forgiven all of my sins. And I've heard people say, you know what, I don't have a story. I don't have a story to tell. And if you know Jesus, you've got his story. His story to tell that lives in and through you. Sometimes it takes someone from the outside to come into our community to remind us just of how incredibly blessed and rich we actually are. As Jesus responded to our cry, Lord Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus throws the question out there. We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Hmm. Imagine yourself as one of the nine. And Jesus gave you that command. What would you have done? Where would you have gone? And why do you think you would not have 
gone back to seek out Jesus, the one who brought you this healing to begin with. Thanksgiving is not only a weekend where many come home to celebrate and feast over good food and, and give thanks. It's also a time where we, where we are reminded of how deeply thankful our hearts are for Jesus and everything that he has given to us. And that could be in, in families who, who have come to worship because that's been our routine. It, it could be in couples who have become empty nesters and now that the children have left and, and the, the two are home alone and, and they wonder why do we really go to church anyway? We thought we did it for the kids but then what about yourself? What about the other nine? And there Jesus sits with the Samaritan, and he smiles. Rise, rise, get up from your kneeling, hey, rise and go. <laughs> Is it ever good to see you? <laughs> thanks for coming back. <laughs> thanks for saying thanks. Your faith has made you whole. And that's what you've come to do this morning, to give thanks to Jesus. There's something about gratitude that brings the wholeness of life. It's what parents do to teach their kids. I hear it all the time. What do you say? Grandparents do the same. Teaching their kids, what do you say? We want to teach that gift of gratitude because it completes that circle of the wholeness of life. And it's the same with our relationship with our Father in heaven as Jesus has come to bring healing and cleanse us in our lives. We've come this morning, we've come this morning praising God, wanting to give thanks to Jesus. And Jesus has said to each and every one of you, Rise, rise, and go. Your faith has made you well. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father God, that applause, that applause is for you. It's a heart that swells with gratitude for everything your son Jesus has done in our hearts. We lift up our hearts in praise and honor and glory and worship of you. You are our God. You are the one who has reached out to us first and you've poured out your love into our hearts. We give you the honor and the glory and the thanks. We want to sing hallelujah, hallelujah, not only on this day and not only tomorrow, but in each day of our walk. Father God, you have blessed us so richly. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in our midst. 
And we pray that on this day, that on this day we too may rise, and that we too may go, and that we too may live lives that are fueled by gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people 